We are back. What a busy news day and what a time to have Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. Tom, hey, happy Wednesday. Uh, thanks for having me, Arlene. <laughs> it is it a happy Wednesday. You know, I, I got to tell you, it's a bit freaked out. You know, you see the rate hike of the Fed, historic. And you and I have kind of had a a, a, a series going on on how, on how bleak things are getting. And I, I use that word. Is it a good correction? Is it a bad correction? It's on its way here to Canada. So all the things that you and I have been talking about, on you know, buying cars, blah, 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 everything's about to change, Tom. It is. The rate hikes will be extraordinarily painful and, let's be candid, disastrous for a very large number of people. And who's to blame for that? Well, obviously, I, I, I think, and I'm not exclusive in this, it's a matter of opinion, it's my two cents, the central bank is. The central bank could have taken other steps. They chose not to. They didn't want to make the tough choices. And so they will make other people make the tough choices now. And what is unfortunate is a lot of people are overextended. The governor, Tiff Macklem, said last week he estimated 30% of mortgages, especially new buyers, that's young couples, young families, in greatest peril, at greatest risk of rising interest rates, which inevitably must rise because they don't have the equity. Well, they don't have the equity because someone lent them money they couldn't afford to repay. They didn't rob banks to buy those homes. Bankers lent them the money because they loved the fees and the interest. Uh, Arlene, um, anyone of a certain generation has been through this in 1991, 1981. It's really unpleasant and that's what's coming to all our towns. Our towns, our villages, our big cities, all these things. We got a lot of a lot of news. I mean, it's really dizzying how many things are happening. What is your feeling about this report that came out in the in city of Toronto with the police report and the apology and the use of force with the black community there? The whole country has had a conversation about this. The whole world had a conversation about this after George Floyd. And now we have a a curious case of a police officer, of the police chief apologizing, apologized even before the report came out. Uh, a couple of general observations. This is not profound, uh, Arlene, but, you know, we all have an opinion. Uh, police have been very slow to uh, embrace the age of accountability and consequences because I don't think there were a lot of consequences and accountability for many, many generations. They have a tough job, but they ask for it. And uh, they have uh, they seem to become immersed in process instead of just accepting the raw accountability. I think the other point is uh, you think of institutions whose reputations have suffered terribly in the pandemic. I put media right up there, mm -hmm. and, and so are police. They, they are not what they once were in terms of uh, public acclaim and consideration for reliability. They, the police have a lot to answer for. And that just is not in Toronto. That's in a lot of cities. And uh, I, I think they took a terrible reputational hit in the pandemic, really second only to media, in my opinion. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. And then we watch the protest and the convoy protest occupation in Ottawa, whatever you want to whatever you want to call it. It was extraordinary. Every day I tuned in, I kept thinking, 
these questions about the police and what they're doing about it, it most unusual. I, and I felt exactly like you just articulated that I was looking at the police and I was asking myself questions. I was not alone. All the residents of Ottawa were the same. And I didn't think I would, certainly when you were a little kid brought up to respect the police, and I still do. However, we wondered, what are you doing? And then in Nova Scotia, the mass shooting there, we're asking the RCMP, what were you doing and what were you thinking? Yeah, part part of it is, in, in, in the case of the RCMP, there has been, we have to be frank and say, weak civilian oversight. Accountability makes every everyone stronger. I don't know why that's a difficult lesson for successive governments and federal institutions to learn, especially in the case of the RCMP. Consequences make people better. When people get fired, the people who remain perform better. It, it, that's why very often in the private sector, you do see better performance than you do in the public sector. It's not universal. Of course not. Is, is it because the private sector is some sort of master race? Well, I worked in the private sector my whole life. I can assure mm-hmm. you that's not the case. But the difference is people get fired. That's huge. Uh, oversight is huge. Uh, but I have to say, even on the case of racial profiling, allegations of systemic racism, there was a Commons Public Safety Committee looked into this last year, Arlene, and they just, it was a mile wide and about a half inch deep, their investigation. There are police reports. We have seen it through access to information mm-hmm. in the RCMP. A suspiciously high number of indigenous men unarmed killed in custody. The committee never even brought it up. Guess who the memo went to? Then Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale was never called to testify. Now he's ambassador to London. It gets really hot to hand really quickly. That's the problem with accountability. It is. And there's something kind of cathartic about this report. It is out there now and we're going to examine it in a way, you know, finally, finally, we can we can see the data. So I mean, sunlight, as they say, is the best disinfectant. I, I want to ask you as well about the continuing is hedging by this government on answering a very simple question Who decided the Emergency Measures Act was needed? And we've got a waffling and we've got the the opposition parties coming together and united yesterday with a lot of criticizing. What do you make of it? Would they have made their life a lot simpler if they had just admitted, you know, Mr. Mendocino made a mistake and he he misspoke, to quote Hillary Clinton, but now they seem to have gotten themselves in the soup. They do. And the Minister of Finance, uh, Ms. Freeland's testimony was, uh, frankly, disastrous. Minister Freeland said at the time she was the one who authorized the freezing of bank accounts, hundreds of them, containing millions, $7.8 million in accounts at uh, banks and credit unions held by uh, uh, Freedom Convoy sympathizers. It triggered a uh, run of millions of dollars in the credit unions. The chief executive of the Credit Union Association said so. This was not a small deal. Minister Freeland said at the time, Arlene, this was all to avoid economic damage, serious economic harm that resulted from the convoy. Well, MPs and senators had her on the witness stand for an hour and a half last night, and she couldn't come up with a straight answer on what the economic harm was at one point uh, in an unfortunate phrase, saying, well, I have a lot of figures in my head. Not good enough. 
said a new Democrat MP, Matt Green from Hamilton, and he voted for the Emergencies mm -hmm. Act because mm -hmm. he took the government at its word that there were serious issues at play. Arlene, they have a lot to answer for. And their judicial inquiry hasn't even started. This is only the parliamentary inquiry. And the inquiries are very pointed. Was this a political hit job? Let's be frank. That's the question. Did we have a circumstance where cabinet called out the police with emergency powers to take out someone who was getting on their nerves? And if they did, that precedent is horrible. That will always be a hammer on the table that any future cabinet will reach for whenever it gets a little bit hot. It's really... they. They're not getting on it, Arlene. I don't think Freeland or Mendicino have anything to say because there's nothing they can say. Yeah, sometimes silence, that's exactly what it means. Tom Korski, never silent, managing editor, Black Locks reporter. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Take care out there. Thanks. Thanks, Arlene. <laughs> I'm Arlene Bunn, and this is On Point.